that their shitcoin they make the majority of their money literally from shitcoins mm. so at least these three companies are trying to do bitcoin only and yeah they're not doing it perfectly but jesus we have three <laughs> so are we really at the point where we could be critical and like choosing like I, my literally my comment was when we have three thousand in three, we can start going. Oh, I want my companies to own all the tech, not have too many suppliers behind the scenes, and blah blah blah. Yeah, fine. When we have three thousand in three, we have three. How about we fucking go easy? If, if you want to create a Bitcoin-only exchange that is built as beautifully as you think you can build an exchange, fucking do it. Boom, we are back, the world's most bullish podcast. That's right, the four Bs, bullish Bitcoin banter and bullshit. And this is pod 112, 112, where the players dwell. Mr. All In, a.k.a. the Trillion Dollar Man, Dr. Evil 10%, a.k.a. the People's Champ, myself, Sir Neverlook, a.k.a. the Excellence of Execution. And yes, surprise, surprise, Mrs. No Show, still Mrs. No Show. Kind of like our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> we are unsponsorable and every day cancelable. Um, I, I was just thinking about that then. We were talking about podcasts, weren't we? And picking ads mm. and kind of bollocks. Now, like, the, what, ads, not only are ads really annoying and I hate them anyway. Yeah. If, if we ever wanted to make money out of this, which is very fucking unlikely, but it's, I would always go the merch route. Always. You make you make more money. I would, I would love to talk about other about products, <laughs> just to slag them off. <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be like because if I even if it was a really good good Bitcoin service, I don't I would I don't want them to pay us to talk about it. I would rather just go well do something legitimate in Bitcoin and we'll talk about you for free, you know, mm. and we'll talk about it exactly the pros and cons as we see it because we just talk about news in Bitcoin. So if there's a new Bitcoin service that comes up. Don't pay us because it's just now we've got to read off your little script and we have to stick to it because you're paying us X thousand dollars or whatever. It's like, now nah, we'll talk about you for free, dude. Like, it's just, it's fine. Like, just do something notable. But then I think selling hoodies, caps, and all that kind of stuff, it's just so much easier, isn't it? Because it doesn't have to be an ad in would a we podcast. Have a, would we know. have a mess no show line? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's standard. It'd probably, standard. It'd probably be the top selling merch, wouldn't it? Fucking Mrs. No show. Yeah, it would probably would, wouldn't it? <laughs> Mrs. Well, just, Nisho just with have unicorns like, and rainbows on it. Yeah, ESG strategist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the woman, the man that puts in the least would sell the most. Miss <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Miss no, no Show, like a little business card on the cap. Miss No yeah. Show, um, ESG strategist brackets Baybam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I could see it actually. Like me and Mr. Rollin, we'd be at the bottom in terms of like our t-shirts and and uh, merch selling. Then you've got the people's champ that would be second. But then at number one would be Mrs. No Show's merch. You could have a sound. You could have a sound bite. What's that? It, it'd be me laughing, Mr. Rollin. Um, Saying something, it's a psyops. 
and you <laughs> probably with an intro. Yeah. I miss no show silence. Yeah. Just golden silence. Yes. Compliance. ESG compliance. Maybe that's Mrs. No Show's role in the show. Merch. Yes. Yeah, it's that merch that only the real fans will ever know what the fuck it means. Which, yeah. and genuinely, we had like three viewers back then. So <laughs> only three people. There's an inside joke that we're carrying from three viewers. Like, so even once we get up to a point where, you know, there's actually a decent audience, this in joke is so in. <laughs> there's really no one else in on it. Not even, it's not even an in, like, in for joke. It's just, uh, <laughs> we, we're the only ones that know it. <laughs> no one else knows People will be scanning back to the early episodes and going, my God, it was shit. Even shit than it is now. Yeah, and there was, yeah, yeah exactly. all this mystery was not worth trying to uncover. Correct. even I'm more wearing the Mrs. No Show merch just for the cringe. It wasn't um, even Mrs. No Show is kind of like the John Zena of our Bitcoin. You can't see me. oh do we want to get down and talk about bitcoin man yeah since we talked about miss no show and merch i mean hey man mrs no show still getting a lot of airtime man well how much merch could you get for four bitcoin just gonna say for anyone who's missing missing miss no show um, we saw Mr. No Show, and Mr. No Show said there's no reason why Mr. No Show shouldn't be on the show. Correct. Mr. No Show clearly wears the trousers in the show, and uh, Mrs. No Show needs to show soon for next <laughs> show. <laughs> so this is a bit of a mystery, the first story. So it's um, Sauna sent for Bitcoin to Satoshi Nakamoto's wallet. What the fuck does it mean? Is this something which I just don't understand? Because it's happened once before, almost 10 years ago. I mean... Sorry? It's happened loads. Satoshi's wallet is right there, right? It's listed in the story. So... Mm, You can see it's grown. Anyone can send Bitcoin to it. You know, that's like knowing someone's sort code and account number, right? So that's their address. And, And people have donated to Satoshi as a bit of a tip, as a bit of a thank you. I think, if anything, they almost want their Bitcoin holding to be linked to Satoshi's in some shape or form. So, yeah, so someone... But back in the day, people used to send whole Bitcoins, but that was when it was worth $10, $20 a Bitcoin. So, but... And then up until now, it's been a case of people send tiny fractions, you know, a a pound, a dollar worth of Bitcoin to Satoshi to go, oh, yeah, thanks, Satoshi. You know, from from me essentially, and who knows if Satoshi ever comes back, he can go. Oh, that was me. I gave you some Bitcoin, Satoshi. Look, here's my wallet, and there's a transaction between me and you. I didn't even know you were coming back and like me, please, maybe. But it's been a while since someone has sent a transfer as large as four Bitcoin, which obviously right now is a hundred thousand pounds, just over a hundred thousand dollars. So, yeah, the big question is. Why the fuck would you do that? Because at the moment, obviously, no coins have ever moved from, from Satoshi's wallets. The the amount of Bitcoin obviously going into Satoshi wallets had only ever gone up because all these donations come in. But Satoshi's never moved a coin, never spent a coin. 
they just they just sit there so really what you're kind of doing by donating to satoshi for all intents and purposes really is you're burning that bitcoin you are removing yeah. that from the supply well how rich do you think that you would need to be to say yeah i'm going to give four bitcoin knowing that if you're already a bitcoiner I'm going to be giving this wealth away, knowing that in the last 14 years, it ain't moving, it ain't coming back. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine it's, it's streaming away. And things like, I would imagine the people that have got, you know, say thousands of Bitcoin, where, you know, four Bitcoin might be a small amount. Yeah. If you're going to do something like this, I, I just imagine you've already done it. Right? You've already given your tip to Satoshi at some point. So 14 years on from launch, sending someone for bitcoin now but who knows it might it, it could be someone it could be a billionaire that's just come in bought a load of bitcoin and they've gone oh satoshi's a good guy i'll send i'll send him 100 grand you know yeah. it's, it's nothing to me there's plenty of people 100 grand is nothing to right or it could just be a big fuck up there's still there's still that element of chance that someone was sending wanted to send a small tip to satoshi and then move four bitcoin to another wallet or something and they accidentally got their addresses mixed up and sent the small tip mm. to themselves and sent freaking their entire balance to Satoshi. <laughs> that, that, could, that might be the case here. And no one's zoned up to it. So we don't really know. Have you yeah. ever sent a tip to Satoshi? No. And then again, I, every time that a story like this comes up, because we looked at this before, we have had tips on here before. And I thought it then. I went, oh, I should do it. But then at the same time, right? As much as I would like to have my my main wallet kind of a, attached to Satoshi, I also don't. <laughs> yeah, you know, we know we've got chain analysis and all those kind of bollocks companies. And I just know they're going to be looking at this wallet. If you if you like tip Satoshi's wallet, it really does mean you're a real Bitcoiner, right? You're really mm. you're really deep in to the point where you're kind of tipping the creator of this this thing. If and I just, just think like... straight away, automatically, the addresses that are sending to it, you're now on the watch list. And I don't really want to be added to any more watch lists than I'm probably already on. But it's also a bit like um, having another idol, you know, like a religion almost. No, it was, yeah. Yeah. Like, I love economics, but I don't have, <laughs> it's not a religion. No, mm. but it's still like Satoshi is still like, he's the guy or group that created 98% of what Bitcoin is today. So I, I get it. And the fact okay. that he created this thing, gave it to us and then fucked off. That's, but so that by tipping him, I think, I think it's a nice gesture, especially because it, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see Satoshi back. So. It's also the, one of the rumors is it's how thinny, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's there's two yeah. or three guys it can be. It could be one or all of them, and they're all dead. It could be Craig Wright, Hal Finney. <laughs> it no. could be Miss Nosha, Adam Back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like saying his name just because he's still alive. He's the guy that's still alive that is in that group. There's two or three other guys that all died around the same time as Hal Finney, and then there's one that's still alive. It's likely that they're the guys that did it and they're the guys that probably had shared access to this wallet in some shape or form but I think they've burnt their keys or needed all the keys to be together and now that three of the four were dead 
I think it's impossible to ever get those coins back. So, did you guys listen to um, the Preston Pish and the Lynn Oldens uh, podcast? By the way, did you I get around to listening to it? No. Well, um, in there, Preston Preston recites the fact that Adam Back tried to uh, break Bitcoin for four months straight in the fact that he basically reviewed it and said i can't or well, let's say break it try to improve it or oh. you know try to do certain things around it so but he found that every time he was doing something it then compromised another thing so in the end he was just like you know this thing is perfect <laughs> you know and this guy's got a, a phd in uh in cryptography so yeah, I, I don't believe that it's him because he would have already tried to have done it when it was already done. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, it's um, the, yeah, I don't want to go into why it, I do think it could be him, but he he did create one of the I think it's eCash or Hashcash, one of those is Adam Bax. So one mm. of the one of the early versions of Bitcoin had Adam Bax's name on it. But yeah, they 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 all had the the flaw of being in some form centralized and then satoshi figured out a way of decentralizing it and you go boom yeah there you go. that was that was the magic one uh cool. so yeah talk? let's move on this is quite uh, quite quite a good story so this is how to but well the orange pill processor someone's put together their process on twitter We've talked about this many times, like, you know, talking about Bitcoin. And I think it's it's actually quite a good process. But I think it's maybe missing one or two things. But it talks about inflation. And I think myself and Mr. All In were talking about it a number of weeks ago, saying, I think I spend most of my time talking to people about inflation and the evil governments. Mm. I don't mention Bitcoin until they bring it up. And it's pretty much going along, along that, but then it mentions CBDCs right towards the bottom. CBDCs don't threaten Bitcoin. I'm like, does it not need? Question for you two, something about CBDCs and how they aren't really money. Yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, point one, when he's talking about uh, inflation causes the most suffering in the world, we're assuming somebody even knows what true inflation means. And what I mean by that is that hidden tax, that hidden, um, basically, you know, stealth taking away from people. You know, it's a, you're being robbed in plain sight. No, exactly. This is my, my comment. I can't find it in the replies now. But my comment straight away was that this is almost the the process that, by and large, like you know, what is it? Is he got twenty one things here? Yeah, twenty one things. Of course, he has. Yeah, of course. But is. um, twenty one steps. Of course, are twenty one steps to orange pill someone. But I would definitely that there's quite a lot of duplication in the list. Obviously, we're not going to go through the list. It'll be it'll be linked. But the first couple of points, you can't jump into inflation. Uh, inflation Correct. has already been psyopsed as being not bad, stimulates the economy, all that kind of bollocks. You have to, 
And it's really annoying because people won't want to talk about it. And I start glazing over. You have to talk about the history of money. You have you have to start there. It's, have- it's that principle, like, you know, I remember someone talking to me about inflation and they were they're a bit of a Bitcoiner now, but more into gold back then. And I remember him just explaining to me about how CPI was a pile of shit. And it kind of I remember it just going over my head like this. Yeah. Because I just thought, oh, it's just one of those things. Yeah. Because I never knew about the history of money. I just thought it was, na- it was almost like natural. It's like the wind blowing. <laughs> and it's just, you know, it's explaining that, but it's it's ultimately an exchange for your time. And how yeah. can someone tax your time without without telling you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, again, we, we talk about it quite often on the pod, but the majority unfortunately don't and won't have a financial literate background to understand some of the points that have been made and to jump into that for point one yeah it's uh really shooting for the stars now you know granted if they do that's great but i think it needs to be dumbed down even more um you know some of the later points again we won't read them all out but the fact that um, Bitcoin can't be shut down is fantastic, you know, because ultimately people always say, oh, well, the government will, sh- will stop it. No, this point really should be the fact that it's decentralized and that there is no one person in charge of it. And so that's what makes it really, uh, really good. And in the classic phrase, unfuckable. Yeah, I think the, the history of money is a very good point. And I think simplifying some of these points and getting rid of some of the duplication and also just talking about CBDCs because, well, what about CBDCs when we come in? will always be the answer. But, you know, it's possibly yeah. the worst form of money ever, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and I wouldn't even relate CBDCs to Bitcoin. You know, his point is CBDCs don't threaten Bitcoin. I wouldn't even say that. i just say CBDCs are just fiat on the blockchain. And blockchain blockchain is a scam. So uh, it, we're talking about CBDCs are fear with even more control and surveillance, even more slavery. Yeah, it's because because then you don't even need to say it it's about Bitcoin. You just go CBDCs are an even worse version of fear. It can still be inflated, but has even more control and surveillance over the top of it. So just in case you think CBDCs are going to be like the next Bitcoin news go, it's just fiat but worse. So you can infer that it doesn't threaten Bitcoin from that because Bitcoin's already better than the fiat we have now. CBDCs are fucking 10x worse than the fiat we have today. But, uh, but yeah, I thought it was an all right list. Uh, I, I always think lists like this, that it's good to shove them out there and then ratify them and just knock them about and, and improve upon them i can see he's got a website here ask me about bitcoin.org and it's just got these 21 points on it um so he seems to really have this um guy called bitcoin shooter uh really seems to like these 21 I, if, if i was him i wouldn't get to lock in <laughs> on the 21 i'd be open i think he's got a lot of comments below and stuff like that and yeah, you definitely, the first two or three have to be about the history of money. You, you, I have learned from through error and almost giving everyone the Bitcoin standard 
for my wedding and then seeing the comments coming back early and people just going, I didn't realise that we use rye stones and agary beads in Africa. I'm like, oh my God, I, even I forgot that this is what got me. <laughs> this was the thing that solidified my understanding of Bitcoin. And I used to use that is my orange pill tactic constantly. I used to just go right back to Yap Island and talk about the rye stones. And then because inflation is so on top of mind, I, I, I kind of jumped to there. And I, I've jumped 5,000 years almost. You know, I need to go back. And then the last 10% of what you talk about is from inflation onwards. But the, the rest of it, the first 80% should just be, this is what money is. So now that we have this shared understanding of money and what makes money valuable, now let's look at fiat and the inflation and what all that means and why Bitcoin is better than that. Now you're ready to hear that final bit. If you jump to that bit, because what this is, this is the final 20%. And I think you missed the first 80, which is the real valuable piece. So yeah, so I think any orange pulling needs to be almost go in the, go in the format or like roughly follow the content of the Bitcoin standard. And the first, was it three quarters of Bitcoin standard? Doesn't mention Bitcoin. Last quarter is Bitcoin. So yeah. I, I'd have like from one to about 13, 14, history of money, from 15 onwards, inflation and Bitcoin. And then that's that would be my orange bill list. But yeah. Cool. Right, next story that we have is a riot mining fact check. So, um, Pierre Rochard, fact check false. So, riot sold 24 million of pre purchased electricity to TXU pursuant to its long term. Oh, that was his power. answer. So, if, yeah, you scroll, so if you scroll up a little bit, that's um, the original. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Uh, so uh, the Bitcoin miner got more from ERCOT in August than it did from, if it opens up. Start again. So ERCOT paid one Bitcoin company 32 million to reduce electricity uh, use in August. So essentially... Um, it's saying the among the big winners was Riot Platforms, a Bitcoin miner that said it had been paid 31.7 million in August by Electricity Reliability Council of Texas um, for using less electricity. Yeah. Fact check. False. <laughs> yeah. Fact check. Yeah. I mean, it puts on that he actually sold the pre-purchased electricity to another private company. Yeah. So it's just, I know it's a story about um, Bitcoin mining, but it just makes me come back to kind of like the media. And it's, I think it's what um, Safer Dean covers in the Fiat standard. There's no punishment for these kind of companies like scientists or something who are proven to basically be lying and lying intentionally. So they can print these articles, which they know are either majorly bending the truth or just bending the truth. And they'll do it again and again because they're not put out of business. People don't stop buying it. It's kind of this fiat world where the money's unstoppable. 
like we've seen it from what is it the Washington Post and the New York Times economists it's just com- constant lies but it's just like they'll keep on doing it because of no repercussions are there mm. I mean, this looks like a national newspaper, the Houston Chronicle. Um, but yeah, it's, it just seems to be rife that the false allegations and the stories are printed out. And you know, I'm sure there'll never be a, a retort piece other than the tweet simply stating that the information that was put out was false. But never from the actual source. Yeah. It'll always be a side note. So it could be page one, page two, page three. Big spread saying this is what's happened. Mm-hmm. And then when they get called out for it, it'll be this tiny little column somewhere in the middle of the paper where no one looks. Yeah. Yeah. I've just found the the person who wrote the article. I just found her Twitter and I posted um, Pierre Richard's reply to her. She's got like hardly any followers and she had like four comments under the article. Mm-hmm. So now she has five comments under the article. Just to like let her know that she's a liar and Pierre Richard has corrected her, but just in case she didn't know. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's, it's nuts, right? It's just um it's, it's just sad, isn't it? Like what like what what's She's an independent writer. Like, what? How does this article ever get written? You know, it's just a little bit odd, isn't it? That she, if she just sat there thinking, "I'm just going to write this," it just to me, I just think, nah, I think they have they there is an agenda here. They and they want to just write negative stories about Bitcoin companies, and they've thought, "Oh, this is funny." You know, they've mm. made more money out of selling electricity than they have out of Bitcoin mining. In August, and you just go, well, well no, like that's that, that isn't what happened at all. And why why is that even newsworthy? You, you just is it is it newsworthy because you it's shitting on a Bitcoin company? Now, imagine if um you know uh, a breakfast cereal company had made more money out of energy than they had out of selling cornflakes in a month. Would that be newsworthy? Is that getting an article written? I don't think it is, is it? It's just who ca- it goes into the category of who cares. Questioning with yeah. nar- question with the narrative, you'll sound like a conspiracy theorist. You are I must you're probably am. you're probably racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's our phrase. You're probably racist. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's just more fud. But it's interesting to have a read through and how baseless it is, and the fact that well, the owner, the CEO of the company's come out and said, "You're completely wrong." Yeah, it's just yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I guess it's one of those things where it, it's easier just to shit on Bitcoin and say it's this, it's that, without obviously actually knowing what it is, because. That's the narrative. I, I'm sure we've all heard it. And I, it's weird. I, I thought about this just the other day when someone said to me, uh, oh, yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, it's there, but it's slow, isn't it? You can't do that many transactions. And, and I'm like, but do you even know what you're saying? You just naturally, unfortunately, taught 
to say that or people hear that and that's the part that they latch on to as opposed to really understanding well is it true or not so uh, I had some friends that sent me a, a tweet saying that the adoption of the Bitcoin Lightning Network was down massively in terms of like where it was. And I'm like, so what? You know, Bitcoin's been attacked so many times. If the adoption is low or the, um, the, the consumption of how much and how often it's being used is low, so what? It's probably because people are hodling and they're just... You know, they're, they're not transacting on layer two. But you don't know that. And it's pointless of me sharing that because you, you don't just, even understand any of that. You just need to screenshot that. Yeah. Screenshot yeah. it and send it back to them in probably about a year and a half's time. Well, of course. Just with yeah. a lol written below it. <laughs> <laughs> because at the moment, obviously, we're, we're at the end, hopefully, anyway of this bear market so mm. guess what usage on bitcoin does tend to take a bit of a it curves off a little bit you know because once we're two to three years into a bear market then guess what there are a lot of people a little bit ground out <laughs> yeah so um the people experimenting on lightning and using lightning is because that is what we're doing right we're, we're not using lightning thinking it's a replacement for swift in our credit cards right now we know it's a bit of a novelty and it's an experiment, and we do things as a as an experiment, because uh, not not many people live on a Bitcoin standard. And most people buy Bitcoin just hodl it. Yeah. There's not many people, kind of like me, where I I pretty much have all my money in Bitcoin. So me using Lightning is the same as well. It's actually easier for me to use Lightning than it is to spend fiat. I have to convert my Bitcoin out if I want kind of fiat. But um, there's not many people like that. So the majority of Bitcoiners, even now, they they hodl their Bitcoin, they still own fiat, and they spend their fiat. So using Lightning is a bit weird at the moment, and but that that's just building the foundation for when we need it. It doesn't need to be ready just yet. It just needs yeah. to be. Just or, needs to, be to have mass adoption and believing that everybody should be using it like they are using, as you said, the Visa, you know, uh, or or Swift Network or whatever. Or it's, it's just... also we're year 10 you know we're not far along and um so we've got lightning and we're year 14. 14 yeah we're year 14, yeah year 14 so uh 10. it's gonna say year what four, five yeah yeah uh, five of lightning but year f nearly 15 tick what's uh but you think about lightning January. like we think about our layers and we got lightning, but the one which I meant to be looking at the moment for feasibility is Fediment. So lightning is ultimately shop to shop or kind of like bank to bank. So you got you struggle um with consumer usage, you've basically used things like onion routing in order to get it on, or you you jump on someone's um node. And to sort out it is going along Fediment, but let's remember that we're year 14 after my fact checking, um, rather than what are we up to year 70 on the visa network was the visa 50s yeah or diners diners card originally it's card 50s um so and that started off with literally i think the slips being sent in with a copy of the card <laughs> on an ink thing so that's how they used to cash them in so you gotta think if lightning's the equivalent of that while we're building we're not doing badly 
and also expand it using pediment so it actually becomes a proper uh, consumer layer. That's what we want to see. Yeah. Annoyingly, that, that whole like Bitcoin is slow narrative, it, it, that barely even comes from the fiat mainstream world, you know. That actually comes from the shitcoin land. Because mm. they're, they're trying to say, oh, but my coin does 100 times more transactions than Bitcoin. You go, well, yeah, it's a centralized database that no one fucking uses. So, yeah, you can send a transaction instantly and virtually for free. Hey, well, congratulations, but using Excel spreadsheet, which is held on one computer that no one uses. So, of course, it's free and instant. You know, the whole point of Bitcoin is that it's decentralized and secure. So you have to pay for that that privilege. And yeah, it takes on average 10 minutes to send to send a transaction on the main chain. But yeah, that's if you don't have that, you've got an Excel spreadsheet, which can be compromised and you don't have scarcity, you don't have security, you don't have Bitcoin. <laughs> so it's um yeah, and if you do want to send stuff quick, then yeah, you can use Lightning. That's instant and free. So it's bizarre, actually. You can you can actually have both. It's literally Bitcoin's the best of both, but but shitcoin is just try and pretend Lightning doesn't exist or just is not fit for purpose. And and by and large, it is. Like if if you if you actually try and use Lightning, it isn't difficult. You just like download a Lightning wallet, you send it some Bitcoin, and then it's just it's just a it's a new way of working. It's an invoice type way. You have to send an invoice and then pay the invoice. Whereas with Bitcoin, you just get an address and then just send the money to the address. It's um, so it's a little bit different, but it's not that much more complicated and can be done. It's just yeah, it's annoying just... that literally the the people that should be with us on bringing down fear are actually dragging us back. Like these shitcoins, yeah. so they they almost know as well. They almost they they know what we know, but they want they get rich quick along the way. So they pretend that their shitcoin is the bee's knees and tell people this stuff just to show hopefully so they buy it, their bags go up and then they can convert to Bitcoin probably in the, in, in the end. Sure. But they there's so many people coming in that get distracted with that, buy a shitcoin, it gets wrecked and then they go off and go, oh, Bitcoin's a scam. You go, did you even buy any Bitcoin? You came in to buy it, but you ended up getting diverted off to shitcoin A, shitcoin B. And then you got wrecked and then you left. Like, you didn't actually buy any Bitcoin during your time here. Yet you now think Bitcoin's a scam. It's like, no, like crypto is a scam. Bitcoin's not. Yeah. Just made me think. I had an alert on my phone today saying that Bitcoin had gone up 4%. So I've had a look at the chart and it did jump about a thousand pounds throughout the day. Yeah. Don't ask me why. Yeah, it's just. <laughs> <don't anyway>. <laughs> Don't. There's more buyers than sellers. There you go. There we go. Explanation. <laughs> that, that's always one of those things that I still never, I don't even try to wrap my head around it, but think, okay, why has it gone down? Why has it gone up? And yeah, it's a mystery. It, it's such a small amount, you know, four or five percent. Who fucking knows, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because I think yesterday it went down by three percent, and then today it goes up five percent. You know. Mm. Yeah, we had a nice like dip um, on the eleventh, didn't we? Yeah, nice yeah. sort of crater on the charts. Yeah. So, so it, it, if I, if I was to guess, all it really is, it's just people buying. It's traders. It's when when Bitcoin goes up to twenty one k, it's a sell. When it goes down to twenty, but it actually did go today below nineteen. 
I went to 19 something. It, it broke the 20K. And then as soon as it broke the 19, it pumped 5% and went back to 21. So my guess would be it's just traders probably just trying to buy some yeah. cheap Bitcoin. And but yeah, in reality, who, who the fuck cares? You know, we, we don't care about 5% here or there. We're for freaking 1,000x gains, not 5% gains. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Let's, let's let's move on to um Niger, who is my new favorite country for what it's doing to France. Fuck the fucking French. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, so so yeah, Niger uh a or is a country that's big on uranium, and for a while now, maybe say two or three years, I've heard about uranium and the price of uranium and is it like early days because of the fact that it's so well used in so many items that everybody owns, things like your mobile phone, there'll be uranium in it um, and therefore could the continued use of this uh, of this element just continued to increase and it therefore increased the price. Well, people in Niger were selling it to France for a reduced price and they have now turned around and said, uh, 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 you're not going to get it for so cheap. We've been giving it to you at a very low cost, uh, around about, uh, they're saying 0.8 euros, and it's now up to 200 euros. So nice. I do like that increase. Per kilogram. They're trying to dump the C, what is it, the CFA? That's a, that's a correct um, currency, isn't it? What's the CFA? Um, it's the currency, the okay. something franc. Okay, yeah. It must be their own. I'll uh, yeah. just go and find it out. Yeah, because there's talk about that Niger, so they had this, was it a coup which started this train of events? Mm. And they're saying that they want to get rid of the currencies. It's controlled by France, who use it to control, um, well, to debase every, all these countries, then also to get their um, um, goods for cheap. You know, uranium being one of them, I think they're quite mineral-rich countries as well. So it's quite an interesting situation, but you do not hear about this in mainstream media at all. But I know this is a lot of speculation when it's really hard to work out what's going on in Niger. But I go back to this all the time, and I think, how is it not general knowledge that the world knows, well, doesn't know what France has been doing to Africa? Yeah. And it is nuts. absolutely horrendous. Like America's too busy going about like slavery a hundred years ago, but this is going on now. They're yeah. literally pillaging fifteen countries in Africa as we speak. Yeah, going an extra bit of context we should add is this: two hundred euros per kilogram for uranium is the market price. That's what everybody else sells it for. So this zero point eight euros that France is getting it for was just this special arrangement you know you're part of the french territories so you, you mm. have to sell it to us for this and they have sold it to them for decades at that and then we wonder why you know africa isn't more advanced than 
it should be and why we just have these freaking red nose days and all this kind of bollocks where we send them like a couple of million quid is donations. This is why. This is why Africa is still behind is because they are still essentially in a form of slavery because we are enforcing deals that were put in place decades and decades and decades ago to and keep pre- them imprisoned. And, and we're still making them, we're, we're basically taking all their natural resources for free. But it's put in decades ago, probably under the threat of violence. Oh, yeah. It, it would have been during a war, yeah, because, you know, how did the French territories get put in place? It, that's like the British Empire. They invaded them and took them over via force through violence. Yeah, and continued threat of violence to get these deals going through. Yeah, which so, essentially is just going, we will buy your uranium off you pr- pretty much for the price it costs you probably to take out of the ground. Like You can't make a single cent of profit because th- this is... At this rate, this is 99.5% off. They're getting half a percent of what the value of the thing that they are buying. You're getting it for free. And the fact that like this guy's turned around, like we, we all know what's going to happen to him, right? He's gonna he's gonna end up being called a dictator. We're either gonna need to have physical intervention, he's gonna randomly have a military coup, he'll get suicided off. This I guy is me- not military... going to survive long, likely, unless he tries to join bricks or something. To is he part safety. of the military? Yeah, he's a military guy. Yeah, yeah I, so I... they're not but... they're not going to have a military coup, though, so we can rule that out. And that'd be that's the easiest one. You just pay a load of commanders a load of money mm. to shoot the president. Yeah. One of the things I thought about is again going back to the history of many as previously in the West. Um, they used to give in these types of countries in Africa um, things back that were like no value, non-value back to them. So in their minds that they were getting a lot off. And again, it goes, I I, uh, cast my mind back to the beads where they thought that they were getting something amazing. But now the world, of course, is smaller and people are a lot more intelligent and equally um, a lot more braver to stand up to, of course, you know, command the market price. But I wonder what they were getting back in return, if anything. And in their minds, they they were getting a good deal. One of two things, no violence, or two, backhanders, or, or maybe both. Like, you know, you've only got a bribe, 10 people in government. Yeah. Bribe them a million pounds each. They can retire, live like kings in Niger, because it's a poor country. Yeah. And they've got billions worth of uranium. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you look at deals like this, yeah, I, I think for a while, the deal would have been put in through violence, and it would be, look, we can kill the, the rest of you if you want, or sign these deals, and we'll let you live. We'll still... We'll still keep a presence here to make sure you stay in check. But by and large, we'll leave you in peace to do what you want. But you sell us all your natural resources, essentially for free. You dig out the ground, we're just going to take it. But then over time, how did that not get overturned, right? Especially in modern day. And like you said, you just bribe them. It's crony capitalism. And the, and, and the ministers and stuff that looked over this would have had all the bullshit excuses 
for why we've got a special relationship with France. This is what, and in reality, now you've been brought a ten million pound mansion not on the coast. Now that that's why you're you've signed off on this because you're minted now for life, and you are committing the entire country of Niger to poverty because the mm. natural resource, which is the most valuable resource in Niger, it's just been given to France. And, it, and they're going but to reap these, the benefits of that. And they're, they're going to be putting roads, hospitals, schools that Niger can't. All these countries have various minerals and commodities which have yeah. been getting taken off and by France. And it, you do kind of wonder, how the fuck is France not a powerhouse if it's stealing all this? I know, they're still a fucking mess, aren't they? So you got to think, how deep <laughs> is the corruption in France? It's like the UK mm. when we say... Oh, we can't afford to fix this road or the NHS waiting lists are too long. We just can't afford it with all these people. It's just like, where's the money? Where is the money? And this is why we need something like a blockchain so you can actually follow the fucking money and go, where yeah. is that money going? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's a consultancy fee here. Explain. And I think, <laughs> you know, that's my hope is that on a Bitcoin standard, it becomes a lot smaller and you've got to explain well why are you giving a million million pounds consultancy fee for setting up a call center for track and trace well yeah. sorry 32 billion where's all that money gone yeah well what would be interesting is understanding yeah where would they be had they have not stolen this money you know they, they really wouldn't be anywhere would they and then uh two those countries that are now adopting Bitcoin, the likes of El Salvador and um, is it central parts of no, Africa? That, no, that one sacked it off. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk. Let's think of Oman from last week's pod, and I want to touch on that actually as well because that one. Um, that one came up in in real life uh, uh, that we'll we'll focus on. But do those countries raise up from where they are right now in terms of not only social but also financial status? And then France becomes the the third world country of tomorrow. I, I think in a way it does because if you think about it, they're reliant on stealing. Once that stealing finishes, yeah. they're bankrupt. What's yeah. their natural resources? And they're They've not nothing. They're, they're importers. So it's like America, UK, France, mm -hmm. Germany. They just import everything. They're all right in manufacturing, but all the natural resources are sitting in other countries. They haven't yeah. established any innovation. All they're doing is siphoning off money because they yeah. know they can, because they know it's not noticeable. Oh, uh, my, my theory is because I think this is when we dug into this, and, and I my gut instinct was, like, where's all the money gone? It's like America. And then... There was a story we've had on here before where the US were very closely connected. So I think that's why France, France are essentially the debt collector, but they collect their money for the boss. Their boss is America. Mm. That's where all the money goes. And then in, in again, in the exchange, why would France do that? Security. So, and, it's, yeah. and essentially it's under the threat of violence. America just go, why, why would you give, why would we give you all the natural resources from our territories? Because we will bomb this shit out of you if you don't. And you go, okay, okay. <laughs> Here they are. Yeah. 
Here they are. Can, can we keep a bit, though? Yeah, yeah, you can keep a... Skim some off the top for yourselves and your buddies. <laughs> keep the people at the top happy, but make sure the majority of it comes straight over to America. We want the profits. But so we if we zoom out like six months of this and Niger started improving, started getting the proper fees for its commodities, the other 14 countries from um, Central, was it Central African Frank area, aren't they going to be looking at this and go, Is it the Central Republic of Congo? No, so they all use, I think it's like the CAF or Central African Frank. Oh, so, yeah. they, so that's part of how France keeps them enslaved, but when we look at Niger and Niger is still going and they start, you know, being economically sound, surely those other 14 countries are going to be going, we should just tell France to fuck off as well. Mm. They said, though, that would only ever happen if the people at the top aren't all paid off and bought. Yeah, you'd have to have a coup in every single country. Yeah. yeah. Like This guy's obviously come in and the bribes will be sat there for him and he's gone, I don't want them. I want to reclaim Niger and I want, I can, and, and who knows, he might be corrupt as well. And he might be selling it for 200 euros per kilogram and still just keeping it all for himself and fuck Niger. He's not going to improve the hospitals, yeah. the, the schools or anything, but he's just going, I want to learn it. But instead of taking the easy money, which is the bribery, he's going, I want to sell it just for the market price. And hopefully he's going to make, do some good with that to make the other 14 fall in line well, we, we know the only reason they're not falling in line is because of bribes. They're, they're mm. not doing this as a good business decision for their country. So they're going to have to fucking grow some morals and ethics bones before they give a shit what Niger do. And then the problem is with all these things, you don't suddenly get good infrastructure a year in. You know, this takes decades to build yeah, schools but I'm and saying hospitals, like, but, staff know... them, make them good. So you won't know the benefit of Niger unless they manage to do this peacefully for 20 years. And what's well, the chance of Niger staying but, peaceful? Like, but when America they start will find to... some like dictator that needs taken over soon enough. <laughs> but when they start being able to, to do these projects, whereas at the moment I think the money just disappears and everyone stays poor. Yeah. So that's yeah. my hope anyway. And I think in a Bitcoin standard, it would help eliminate this kind of things. You know, it's rife every country. It's just how high up are you on the food chain? So yeah. like America, as we've talked about, it prospered because it stole the world's gold. So it built all its infrastructure now, and now it's crumbling. And so it's the moral fabric of a society. And when you've got UK, we're crumbling now, but ultimately we fed off America. And when you've got all these countries, well, who are Central African, um, so listed here, um, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Chad, Republic of Congo, Guinea, Gabon. Um, so you've got all those countries which are locked down underneath one of these big boys like France. So literally they're getting stepped on. Yeah. Um, I was going to make, so the, the thing about Oman and Oman passing uh, the the ability to invest into Bitcoin or Bitcoin mining, it also then brings more money into Bitcoin because uh, people of the Muslim faith previously would not have uh, invested into Bitcoin because they would have saw it as what's known as haram 
which is bad. Uh, whereas when Oman have now done it, people, you know, right across the board, and you know, it's not necessarily a location because uh, the Muslim faith in the Muslim community is is you know spread out wide and vast throughout the world. So we may see an upturn when it becomes more mainstream, because of course we're, you know, no one watches this pod <laughs> and no one listens to us ramble on each and every month. But, and the reason why I said this is because, so I, I may have mentioned to you uh, prior last week to um, going to a certain watch dealership <laughs> and, uh, and one of the ladies asked me as as we were talking, oh, like, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, my main job is this, but naturally I'm orange pilling. And so I said, but I'm really into this thing called Bitcoin. And she said, oh, I really want to get into that. But because of uh, uh, Muslim faith, it doesn't allow me to do so because we see that as Haram. And I said, oh, funny that. If you check this article out, which I'll send to you, it seems okay now in, in Oman, and it seems to have been passed, and her eyes lit up. So if that's just one person... You just need to pull uh, out a Bitcoin stand at that point. Well, yeah, <laughs> afterwards. But the first thing is, well, I need the green light that I can even do it. That's nuts. That, that's just... Did, did you had you had a conversation with a Muslim before that conversation? Because that would not have come into my head to link those two things together. It's funny. So, yeah, one of my best friends who I talked to, so we had this conversation what, two days ago, and he, he gave me the background. And, and this is nuts, by the way. This is really, and this is, I love this. This is the purpose of the pod and to talk about things like this. So, in the Muslim faith in the community, uh, even having a house and uh, and a mortgage on the house is seen as bad. So, uh, because again of the interest that you pay, and this comes down to the fact that in reality the faith is a peaceful faith. And compound interest, which has been around since centuries and time began, has actually brought around a lot of wars. And uh, in one of like, I think I shared it with you, Dr. Evil 10%. Do you remember I said like a kid's book about money? And it is, I'm sure, as we're going through it, as I'm reading it with one of my, with one of my sons, it is a Bitcoin book for sure in terms of like the, the terminology and the things that they're teaching in there, which I absolutely love. It's probably a bit above his age group, but hey, who cares? I'm reading it and learning loads from it. But ultimately, the compound interest, as I said, brought around a lot of wars. And so the Muslim faith is like, no, we don't do it. So when they when they have money, they, you know, they share it amongst themselves. And if I was to ever lend you money, I'm lending it to you and I'm giving it to you. And I might say, you know, pay me back over a five-year period. And when they do that, it's not a penny more. So really not, person, not even inflation no exactly not even inflation that was my first thing that i said so 
Not even inflating, no, not anymore. So you are basically, when you lend some money, you are losing money. Yes. Yeah. This, this is what that's, that, that, that's the type of world that works thing. perfectly on a Bitcoin standard, isn't it? And, yeah. And, and that's why a lot of Bitcoiners are kind of talking about these financial institutions and debt and all this stuff. They should just go away because yeah. it, well, I, I didn't even realize that was what the kind of the Muslim community do as well as they seem to do. But that there are there is wealth in various friendship groups and families. Correct. And the reason why the people that start out have to get these huge debts and then owe it to a bank mm. is just because the people at the top of the families and the friendship groups don't pass any money down until they die. And that probably doesn't coincide with when the young people want to get started. So maybe when they're 20 years into this debt, maybe some money for finally flows down and maybe they can get rid of some of the debt. But they've already, even at then, they've paid off tens of thousands of pounds worth of interest. So just the, you know, out of the family group into a bank, mm. which when you think about it, that is just as bad as not getting your inflation money, right? Is that yep. if if I if I loan like a couple of hundred grand down to my nephew and I don't get that back for 10 years, but I only get back the exact amount of money that I gave him, you go, Oh, you lost that in inflation. You go, Yeah, but within our family group, we lost nothing. You know, he right. has he has his house. And if he if we didn't do it that way, he'd have got a 200 grand loan from the bank and paid that bank over that 10-year period, you know, a hundred grand worth of interest. That money has left our family. That's money. He has mm. gone off out to work to earn money and it's just gone to some fat cat that owns the bank. Instead, we kept all the money inside our family. And that that is the way. It really, it really is. And No, that's awesome. So you had that conversation with him. So I had that conversation with him. I know that um, gambling's not allowed because I know there was some Muslims Correct. in our company because I run the fantasy football and we had some Muslims in our league and I'd go around and go, are you, are you going to pay this year? He's going to come in for free and just not be part of the prize pool. And they'd always go, no, can't. Correct. It's gambling. And I'm a Muslim and, and I can't I can't gamble. It's, it's against my faith. And I go, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And then uh, it, I, I linked another thing as well. Uh, and again, this goes back to the history of money is I've realized that they also have something that appears in other faiths which is giving away 10 percent to charity so in the christian faith it's called tithing and uh you may have ever come across dave ramsey so he has his like seven steps and he's a big christian and you know he's always like yeah you know i want you to be rich and to follow these steps so that you can give to charity. And I watch another uh, YouTube show, which is called Kosher Money, which is the Jewish faith. And I definitely recommend that one. I think I've shared it uh, previously with you, Dr. E, with 10%. It's like, uh, it's called Living Lashame. Uh, and that's there. But and then the Muslim community alert that they have it and they call it Zakat as well. So it's all these things that you know, I, I feel like once they understand, this might also be that more money and more, uh, yeah, more eyes and ears on Bitcoin. But all, all these religions and even the foundation of America were set up to stop what's happening. happening. Correct. Correct. So a quote which I keep on saying 
through Twitter is something which Thomas, I think it's Thomas Jefferson says, basically you cannot allow the private banks to control the issue of currency. Mm. Otherwise they'll take over everyone's houses and make everyone homeless. So what's happening at the moment? Um, everyone's got these sky high mortgages. They don't own their houses and they're paying shitloads of cash to the banks. And we're getting to the point where banks are just buying houses now. So they're talking about BlackRock and some others buying a lot of property in the US because no many people can afford it. So they're just going to rent it to people instead. Then mm -hmm. it's like, what's the next step once they can barely afford rent? Yeah, food. But, you know, they've got to make their money somehow. So it's like, what's the innovation going to be? Where they're going to be? Well, you need this house. What are you going to do for it? Or what, what yeah. we going to demand for it? Um, go for this CBDC. You know, it's like, how much power are they going to ask for? And it is funny, but you've got the founding fathers and religion going, don't allow this to happen. Right. And it's happened. And now we've got yeah. the iteration of Bitcoin, which is going, let's stop this happening. Yeah. I know we went on a massive tangent, but I just feel like, yeah, you know, that's the purpose of the pardon. I think it's good it's, to learn. It's kind of like that history of money and how religions function because I learned a bit there and it all links in together. And it yeah. is it's very strange. Yeah, but that's that's amazing though. That that's a that's a huge piece of information. That the, the fact that Oman does Bitcoin mining now yes. opens that up for a billion people on the planet. That would Correct. literally, even if they thought Bitcoin was the next version of sound money, they may have resisted because they think it's still a form of gambling and is against exactly. their religion. If there's now a genuine argument to go, look, this is not gambling. This is just a better form of money. Amana doing the same thing. This is just like buying gold or whatever. It's not a gamble. It's just securing your assets. It's completely within the Muslim faith. That's huge. Yeah, that exactly that. That's why I thought, whilst obviously we covered it, the story is actually a lot bigger than we gave it credit for. Yeah, I did not clip that that was the potential it had. Yeah, it's massive. We've got some belting stories. So we just talked about Niger, went on to a complete segment onto religion, which is great. Now, the next one is about Argentina. <laughs> so you're kind of thinking, what about Argentina now? I suppose we better put put a warning about this one. The last story which we came across with um, the the potential president of Argentina is a bit. Of, it was a fake translation, whereas this one, it's just. I think was he called leftards and how they're it, shit. It might be legit. Who knows? He's, he's we we hope it's legit. Feet. We think it, it is. We we don't really know they're doing. It made me laugh, but it did. It did bring some points so the one which always comes from the left is oh people don't need to work and it's like if no one's working who's going to make the roads <laughs> <laughs> but you know in all seriousness if if you tell people they don't have to work who's going to make it who's going to get pick your food who's going to make your pizza who's going to make your house who's going to fix your plumbing it makes no sense. And you come up with this disjointed society, which is where we're at at the moment. I think this is ultimately what he's getting at. Mm. And he talks about how they hide things. So the whole thing about it, probably Epstein's probably what he's referring to. 
on hiding things and then trying to pick things out about Trump. But it's, it's a hell of a rant, isn't it? Because it he, he he talks exactly how potentially I would. He just like we were discussing before the pod. He looks crazy, which <laughs> I don't like. This whole hairdo thing. I've seen him when he was younger and he had the same haircut. It looked kind of fine then because it's 30 years ago and that was maybe slightly the hairstyle in the 90s, maybe. But come on, dude, you're 30 years older now. So maybe just trim it back a little bit. And then the way he's talking, right? The the interviewer is very calm and collected. Seemingly, if we believe the subtitles, because that's the problem, right? They're talking... So watch what's language that Argentina even speak? Is it Spanish? I think it's Spanish. Yeah, so they're speaking Spanish. So in reality, we probably need to run this through some type of Spanish translator for a video because we don't know if the captains are legit. But she, but you can tell by the faces, like she's very calm and collected, seemingly pushing back on some of his responses, and he gets more and more irate as the interview goes on. It's a two minute clip, but there's no point me linking it because. Well, most people listen to this, not watch it. So mm. you, you just hear a load of Spanish being yelled across the phone. <laughs> You'd have to look at the thumbnails, but we'll link we'll link it if you, anyone wants to watch it. But, I, but, but I'll, I'll say it's the the bit that stuck out to me was just the bit where he starts talking about how you can't push back on anything that is a leftist agenda. Uh, the second you do, you will be called a load of names. You will be cancelled. Uh, and so they give no inch. They 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 will no not compromise on anything they are doing. And and I think you know when I think about what that really means, it means about your vaccination status, um, how woke you are, uh, all all these various things. Like do you want do you want your kids to be taught trans rights at three and all that type of stuff? There's there's no give on that. It's all do you agree with us? Oh, the second you don't, it's. You're homophobic, you're transphobic, you're a racist, you're a bigot, whatever. It's instant that. There's no, okay, maybe we'll push back the education from three to 12. No, there's, there's none of that. It's just you're transphobe. That's why you don't want your three-year-old to be taught about trans. You No, it's just they're not ready. Let them be kids, for fuck's sake, you know? So I did resonate with that. But at the same time, I'm still not even sure he said it. So it's hard yeah. to know yeah. whether I'm agreeing with him or not. On a, on a pos- I was just going to say on a positive note, we are talking about it before, but I saw an article um, that said if he gets the presidency, it'll be bad for democracy. I think this is from economics, and you know that. So a bunch of people are voting for the president, democracy, and they vote him in, and it's bad for democracy. And you're kind of going, it literally resonates with the left. Like it's a leftist publication, you kind of go, it doesn't agree with their opinion, so they're saying it's not democracy, even though the people have said we want him. Yeah, it's well, just that... ridiculous. But it's also made me think because I've been saying he's a he's a Trojan horse. We should watch watch out for him. And I'm wondering, is he actually legit? Hmm. Well, this was be. the guy who tweeted the previous tweet about because I was just going through and just confirming about uh which was a was was dubbed over basically 
So I don't know if, again, this is true in terms of what he actually says. Yeah, because I, I love that, that threaten our democracy line. I always remember it's from that video where every single news station in America read out the same script and it starts with one station then kind of pans out to 10 then pans out to 100 and they're all just repeating is a threat in our democracy about misinformation mm. so yeah so i do get it like every time someone gets penned as this is a threat in our democracy it's like because literally like the definition of democracy means it, it should weed out the threats right because the that the charlatan might win over one or two percent of people yeah but they can't win over the majority so they never get in that's literally the point of democracy so whenever the establishment starts saying someone is a threat to democracy what they really mean is this person's a threat to us taking the piss out of everyone yeah like our our hold on democracy is it threat so maybe we should vilify this person so Every time someone's in that category, I go, oh, right, they're a threat in democracy. Probably one of my guys. Let's have a listen. So, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not sold. My spider sense is going off a little bit on this guy. But yeah. but who knows? I, I, I would love him to take over Argentina and then watch it over the next decade. See what happens. Does he, if what he's saying, or at least what we think he's saying is true, if he gets in his PM over the next year, does he curb inflation? Does he stop the crony capitalism? Does he start rebuilding Argentina's infrastructure and just cut huge um, costs within government and all the spending they do and all the all the bullshit corruption? Does he do that? We'll see. Or is he just a load of words? And when he gets in, and and also what we were discussing before the pod, even if he gets in and he wants to do those things, can he? Yeah. Because the chances are, as we know, people think these prime minister and president positions are powerful. But really, we've seen that when people get in, even the people that want to make change, they can't. There's always some old crusties above them that have final veto say on whether these policies go through or not. And guess what? They're tied into the system and it suits them very well. So any big change that comes through, they just go, no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Like, hold on, I'm president. Yeah. Well, now you learn that president means shit. You're the janitor. <laughs> I'm the real president, <laughs> but you're a 95 year old freaking guy that's senile. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, yeah. And what? <laughs> what was your point? Okay, so um. This one was a, uh, this and the next article were two that really surprised me. So a ripple, ripple by a company that is closely used by Swan. So, um, so Ripple has acquired Fortress Trust. What's your thoughts? Yeah. So this is all, this is all blown up on Bitcoin Twitter this week, right? So, the the first point is number one, like what the fuck are Ripple doing buying companies? I thought Ripple has been long time dead, but seemingly they are still around. So yeah, so they've acquired a company called Fortress Trust. Now my understanding that they are largely a uh, KYC and AML company, uh, 
but they also do some other things. So the issue is obviously KYC, AML, know your customer, um, anti-money laundering, is that because Swan used them, it means the names, addresses, driving license, passports of all those people, Ripple now have access to that. Mm. Now, there's been a big flaw about all that going, oh my God, like Ripple know names and addresses of a load of Bitcoiners. Because obviously Swan is a Bitcoin only company, right? You can you can only buy Bitcoin on there. And their main product is DCA on Swan. So you, you just set up a regular monthly payment. Your money comes in, you send it to Swan, they buy your Bitcoin. And then they're very big on self-custody as well. So yeah. you send the Bitcoin straight off Swan. They obviously take the fees in the middle and, and that's where they make their business, right? Fine. If I'm right in thinking, Lynn Alden, uh, Natalie Brunel, and I want to say Max Kaiser as well, are all linked to Swan in some way, shape or form in terms of, the, or they promote the use of Swan. Yeah, I think Max is an investor and then yeah. they are all just advocates and I think they use it, yeah. So yeah. Where, where it all kind of came unstuck for them Really, I think it's it's probably more obvious on the second tweet, really, where the Pladitor. Because it didn't really make sense to me, right? On the first one, it just goes, it makes right, sense to me. well, their KYC and AML provider has been acquired by Ripple. And quite quickly, they came out and went, well, we'll move away from them, right? So it doesn't mean that all the, la- the, the previous KYC and AML details are still going to be there. But obviously, we, I used to work in this industry. You guys still do. You can't just go in there and have a look, right? That's illegal, right? So if Ripple do just go and have a look and start marketing or do anything with that data, highly illegal. Mm. It, you, you have to have audit trails there and you have to keep them for seven plus years. But the only people that can look at those audit trails would be the regulators, you know, basically doing an audit on you to make sure you even did the checks in the first place. Or it would be the police, in case there's been some type of criminal activity attached to an individual and they want to have a look at through their details, right? You need a warrant for that type of stuff. Some random manager at Ripple, if they asked just to go send us all the details for the Swan customers through their KOSC AML checks, well, they're breaking a law every single person they look at, right? So I was just going, this looks like a storm in a teacup. However... The Pladitor, the second link, it basically what this is dug into is people didn't even know they were partnered with this fortress or trust fortress company in the first place. And what it looks like is Swan, who seemingly claimed to have built everything almost from scratch. So it's all very in-house. Their tech is outsourced. Their custodian ship is outsourced. And the only thing they really do is their marketing which is a lot of podcasts and kind of Twitter stuff. I don't agree with the strategy thing. The strategy thing that he's listed here is shit on everybody, build nothing. But that's a little (laughs) bit, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's got some emotion listed in there. But I think, unfortunately, what is exposed for Swan is that they seem to have outsourced a lot of their tech. Um, But then Corey, Corey Klippenstein, or Klippstein, um has replied to this and he's the ceo of swan which interesting i actually met this guy at um, a bitcoin event and swan didn't even exist back then 
So I was just chatting to him as a random guy and he was just a big Bitcoiner and seemed to know his stuff, but Swan didn't exist. He said he was going to do something like this and you know, it's fair play. He went and did it. But his comment is, love your work, Pladeter, but this will not age well. Swan, including our 60-person engineering team, continues to build on our impressive priority tech stack while our education team continues to spread Bitcoin adoption around the world. So... I think he is kind of going, they are building on something, but yeah, really, so it's not a direct, the, he's not, he's not directly denying that the majority <laughs> of their tech is outsourced. Which yeah, I think she said, she says in the original as a reply to McShane, near term, no change. Midterm, we'll have some news out very soon. Yeah. So that's, that's specifically around um, Fortress Trust which they have tweeted since then saying, yes, they are partnered with Fortress Trust. However, they're moving away. But that almost the story went past that. It was like, we actually almost don't care that Ripple brought Fortress Trust and the potential implications of that. What this has exposed is that Swan essentially seems to be a bit of of a facade and behind the scenes, there's a load of third-party companies that we don't trust and we don't want to be using. We thought we were using Swan, but actually behind yeah. the scenes, there's all these. Oh, I get you. There's all these other companies that could go bust and lose our money. I thought I was trusting Swan. That's that's the issue that Bitcoiners now have. And at the moment, Corey hasn't really been able to go. No, that's not true. You know, we built this from scratch, and the majority of this stuff is ours. He seems to be going. Mm-hmm. We've built a lot of stuff, but hasn't directly denied the majority is outsourced. And so it looks like the majority is outsourced and he spent the majority of his money on marketing the brand of Swan. So they've become but a little bit... So it's basically, it's like an orchestration layer almost, isn't it? Yeah. It just connects to a bunch of things and no real technology there. Yeah. It's just, it's just basically a load of APIs. Yeah. Which, and then the problem is like companies like Fortress Trust. Apparently, you know, I was reading some of the comments. They they had one of their. I think they do KYC and AML checks, but they also look after Bitcoin stuff. And um, they they've had one of their main wallets drained, lost all their money. So you suddenly go, well, hold on. I wasn't trusting Fortress Trust. I thought I was trusting Swan, and Swan is built by Bitcoiners that know how to custodian their coins. Always. Exchanges are dropping off, aren't they? Like Binance is still clinging on. Just yeah, you've got wow. yeah. Um, Kraken and Gemini seem fine, but we've had a load go down, and maybe maybe you could see a swan going down if people mm. stop using it. it. I must admit, I think it'd be a shame because they're, they're Bitcoin only. This is why, like the only tweets I've said on this topic, have been in support of Swan. Really, just going, is this really? as big a problem as it needs to be. Look, they're, they're trying to do the right thing. Building all this stuff from scratch is hard. Yeah, they may have been a bit misleading. Like they haven't exposed how many partnerships they've had. And the fact that one of their partners has been brought out is kind of un- pulled a bit of a thread. And now suddenly we've realized, oh, hold on, Swan only do about 10% of the tech and 90% is, is other people. But what Corey's saying is like, well, yeah, we're, like, we're a startup, 
and we're Bitcoin only, guess what? We don't make a lot of money off Bitcoin fees. So we've had to outsource a lot of it and API it, through it. So I, 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 at the moment, are on the side of, look, they haven't done anything scammy. They may have been a little bit misleading, but they are a Bitcoin only company. They're trying, and I think if they if they could, they would be able, they would have built everything themselves. It's just it's so it takes so fucking long and costs so much money to do mm. that. That that's why, like you know, you say a custodian layer, that's what most companies do, and it's fine, right? It's just you just you don't try and reinvent the wheel and everything. You just you know, but the problem is if you're Bitcoin only and you want all your tech, all your custodianship, and you've got to build all that from scratch. And this is the thing, like for Bitcoin lessons myself. I thought about becoming an exchange and then I started to spec it. It's just fucking massive. It's so big. I, I would require such a huge team. And I, go, I don't, I don't want to run that team. I, it's going to be hard. I could spend millions and fail. And I, so I'm not willing to take that risk. And I guess they've gone, well, we're not willing to take that either. So we will API into some suppliers build it from there. Once we make the money, slowly but surely, we'll replace these suppliers with our own tech, but over a longer period, but we can get started and start getting customers basically six months in, once we link in these APIs. Whereas we built all this from scratch, we're not going to be able to accept a customer for two or three years. And it's going to cost millions of pounds to get to that point. So yeah, I, I think it's very easy to criticize much harder to actually go, well, go on then. You fucking create a Bitcoin-only exchange and build everything from scratch. Because I've thought about doing it and then stopped because it's fucking hard. I was talking about this uh, today, actually. And uh, Starling Bank is a good example of a bank and a business that builds and likes to build everything all themselves. They don't really like to interact with uh, third parties. But to your point, Mr. Rollin, they have always been in the red and only just uh, started to now turn a profit. Yeah, and I bet even Starling, right? Don't, don't they still have like one of the big five banks behind them anyway? Or did I'm they? I'm sure. I don't know if they still do, but uh, initially, yeah, they would have had so much investment. That's the uh, and. Amboden. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't just mean investment. I mean it's like um was it like Revolut and Monzo and all those guys? Really yeah. they are one of the big five banks, aren't they? Just with a new thing over the top. There's normally a Barclays or um a HSBC or like they're, they're the ones doing the set <laughs> behind the scenes, right? It's Fidelity and Goldman Sachs. Yeah, so there you go. So uh, they say we're 100% independent. We're not owned by any other bank. We're part owned by our founder um, and employees and uh, benefits trusts with investment from a global private investor, Jupiter, Fidelity, Railpen, Qatar Investment Authority, Millennium Management, and Golden and Goldman Sachs, but not necessarily another bank. 
we well let's move on from swan because i yeah any other takes i i I don't know if you got all that but i think we should they should let's just see how they go because i i was i got in a bit of a beef with i can't remember where it was but they're basically going oh um, don't use swan they said use cash app or strike and um i was like well okay but i have negatives on cash app and strike right um you know, Cash App, obviously, it's largely American, do shit coins as well, um, linked to, um, well, Jack Dorsey and who knows what he's in, into, right? And you've got Strike. I remember Strike nearly got cancelled. They they got caught um, converting Bitcoin into, I think it was Tether in between because Tether was oh, cheaper okay. and faster. So they were they were they were working with shit coins behind yeah. the scenes to convert Bitcoin, uh, which again that didn't matter. I don't care about any of these things. By the way, it's just like, if you want to cancel a company, it's very fucking easy, right? And go, oh, there's these standards you have to live up to to be a Bitcoin company, and you go, well, if you want to count, you could cancel Stri- Cash App, Strike, and Swan, all for various different reasons. But you go, right? If you get rid of all those three. Where are you buying your fucking Bitcoin from? Now, admittedly, in the UK, we can't buy from any of them. Well, we have to have, we have pretty much have to buy off shitcoin exchanges. So in if you were American and you cancel all those three companies, what are you going to buy on Coinbase instead or Kraken or Gemini? That they're shitcoin, they make the majority of their money literally from shitcoins. Mm. So at least these three companies are trying to do Bitcoin only. And yeah, they're not doing it perfectly, but Jesus, we have three. <laughs> so uh, are we really at the point where we could be critical and uh, by choosing? Like, I, my Literally, my comment was, when we have 3,003, we can start going, oh, I want my companies to own all the tech, not have too many suppliers behind the scenes and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, fine. And we have 3,003. We have three. How about we fucking go easy? If you want to create a Bitcoin-only exchange that is built as beautifully as you think you can build an exchange, fucking do it. But there's there's too many commentators on Bitcoin Twitter sometimes and not enough builders. And uh, I think unless you try to build something, maybe just shut the fuck up for once. Well, everyone believes it's easy, don't they? Or it, it should be done yesterday. And I know having seen you do it or try to attempt to do it you know full well how difficult it is yeah even my very simple education app costs a fuck ton of money to build that yeah yeah to to build an exchange on top a hundred times that so (laughs) yeah i I think we should just kind of um be appreciative of things like swan that just because the thing is like it's the fiat system right it's like we talked about this before but the regulatory moats the second you move into the financial space, if you you can't just build the products, the if you do just build it and just fucking throw it out there, as the founder, you could end up in prison for the rest of mm-hmm. your life on financial crimes that you have committed by allowing people to convert money into a different form of currency without doing the rare, the rarest layers of compliance that were required. So. Obviously, we know why those rules are there. It's not to protect the consumer in any shape or form. It's to protect fiat. 
but that's what makes it so hard. It's why you need millions and millions of dollars or pounds worth of funding to create an exchange. Because you have to hire you know, a dozen of people that you don't really need that keep you out of prison. So it's um, it, it's tough to compete in the fiat world. Because obviously, you, 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 like to create a financial company, you are going up against the big banks. Yeah, and the big banks are fine with it costing a couple of million quid to do compliance. Well, they, they don't give a shit. Really, as a uh, a barrier to entry to avoid any competition, mm. eating and you know eating their cheese. Yeah, well, unfortunately, like I, I hate to say it, but it worked against me because it stopped me. I, if if that wasn't there, I would have a Bitcoin exchange now. Yeah, but because it is, I didn't go into that arena. I like the tech. To build a Bitcoin exchange is doable. The compliance around it and keeping myself out of prison isn't simple. Mm. It's a pain in the fucking ass. So that that's what stopped me. I I could build a, a, a platform that accepted fiat and gave Bitcoin back. It's com- it's complex to a certain degree, but not that complex. It's that's all right. But doing all the KYC and AML and we're storing all the details and having all the various compliance managers and stuff to make sure limits and oh, got all that fucking that that headache is what stopped me so i hate to say it but the, like the fiat regulatory moat is it, it worked on me so yeah. after that rant another tangent which we're famous for <laughs> it, it leaves us with the final story about turkey don't take so, us away yeah so in the story um sorry i've lost the name of the exchange um they um he stole billions and turkey don't fuck around is what it comes down to um he's got eleven thousand years in prison so i think it's just different worlds isn't it in turkey they just don't seem to tolerate it unless you bribe the the government was it thodex was he stole two billion and got eleven thousand years in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fodex, that's the name. I think we talked about that was it. bloody yeah, ages Fodex. ago. He did. So uh, he did try yeah. to run off, and they faced uh, up to forty thousand years at one point. <laughs> no, <laughs> he managed to negotiate it I down just... to eleven thousand. <laughs> but surely, once it goes beyond a certain point, what's the point in keeping someone in prison? Like you might as well just kill them. I guess it's, it's just lies. They really mean like. But imagine yeah. in a hundred years' time, if we invented something that could extend life expectancy by four hundred years, say, <laughs> you'd be gutted if you're this guy, right? You go, ah, oh, yeah. all those all those people that have been sent to prison for life, which is like twenty five to forty years. They're coming out at like 120 and go off. Oh, sh- sweet, I got 300 years to live. So one, so People one in of the Turkey, top... they got 11,000 year life sentences, and then you ain't coming out anytime, bro. So one of the top comments, or one of the first comments, says that's how many years it would take to pay it back on a middle class salary. So that may be how they've calculated it, which is absolutely yeah. insane. Yeah, I think that is the right. Well, the fear is like if if we looked at the obviously eleven thousand years is kind of nuts. But I I remember when we were doing the SPF thing, 
and they, they had the criminality chart and over certain amounts of money, like the more money you steal, the harsher the sentence. So two billion he stole. Yeah, I don't know how the hell they get to 11,000 years. But on the SPF scale, I, th I think, I can't, I can't remember the, the metrics now, but it was basically like over 100 million, I think. And you're in the category of you should never get out now. So, and, and obviously SPF stole tens of billions. billions. Yeah. So you just go, right, you're so off the charts on the scale of punishment in the American justice system. The amount of money you have stolen is so gigantic that, you, that their, their top measure is nowhere near the amount of money you stole. And the top measure here says you're never fucking getting out. They're just there's this thing, it's just an asterisk which says until you're dead, really. But yeah, all the memes below that are just here's Turkey dealing out like real justice. Someone's actually getting punished for their crimes. But SBF in America is probably gonna get a couple of years and then get let out on good behavior <laughs> laws. Because yeah, he laws. donated so much to Democrats. Because <laughs> That's the comparison everyone's making, right? It's like, okay, great. This this guy stole two billion, was the CEO, eleven thousand years in prison. What's SBF getting? He stole ten times that, but donated tens of millions to the Democratic Party. Is yeah. that gonna reduce his sentence by ninety nine point nine percent from eleven thousand years to two? That again is one of those things as well where um, giving away to charity is seen as a, a deflection on any of the bad things that you've done. And it was always one of those things, again, from a, um, an old religious stance that people used to do. Yeah, but this isn't charity. This is lobbying, right? Yeah. Giving, giving to politicians that will later on pass policy that is very favourable to you. This isn't going down to your local again, soup kitchen and giving to the homeless. This is giving to your local mayor who wants to, like, you know, pass some planning permission that you need doing for your business. This is, it's, well, I love how lobbying is called lobbying. It's called fucking bribery. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're paying politicians to do something you want them to do in the future. It's a fucking bribe. <laughs> it's just legalized bribery. So true. Anyway, you you two are both fucking falling asleep, so I'm out of here. Let's end this. <laughs> no one ever gets this far, so uh... it's a run to the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So I will take us out. This has been Pod 112, brought to you by Mr. Orlin, aka the Trillion Dollar Man, Doctor Evil Ten Percent, aka the People's Champ. Myself, Sir Neverlook, aka The Excellence of Execution, and surprise, surprise, our top merch seller, Mrs. No Show, was No Show. Peace. <laughs>